You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 98, featuring special guest Christine Cornish-Smith of the most recent Broadway revivals of Cats and Kiss Me Kate. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. in on a little secret. Thriving on social media does not have to be as daunting as it sounds. So let me help you. With my brand new online course, The Essential Guide to Instagram for Actors, you'll learn all my insider tips into defining your brand, creating high quality content, increasing your engagement, and building a following on Instagram. Take it from someone who started on social media completely from scratch in 2017 and built an empire of over 10,000 loyal followers. If I can do it, so can you. To get started, go to actoraesthetic.com Instagram. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining me this week. I am so excited to share this episode with you featuring special guest Christine Cornish-Smith. Christine is a New York City-based dancer, singer, and actress. She was most recently seen in the original Broadway cast revival of Kiss Me, Kate, where she was a featured dancer and covered Lois Lane. Christine is most well-known for her portrayal of Bombalarina in the OBC revival of Cats and was also in the OBC of My Fair Lady at the Lincoln Center Theater. On screen, she's appeared in HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Good Morning America, The Today Show, The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and The Tony Awards. In this episode, I chat with Christine about her musical theater training at CCM, her transition to New York City, survival jobs, agents, auditions, and eventually making her Broadway debut in Cats. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Well, thank you, Christine, so much for coming on the podcast. I know you had quite the busy day teaching some oh, just Yeah, it's been like um, such a blessing in disguise, yeah. like a silver lining of this time for sure, because I'm getting to really invest in the younger generation, which is yeah. super, you know, inspiring and reminds you like, why you do it, you know. So that's so yeah, real. That's great. That's Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited <laughs> to chat with you. So let's uh let's start things off with I know that you grew up in Texas. Yes. Yes. Texas gal. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about how you initially got involved in theater. Ooh, okay. Um yeah, so <laughs> I so I was born in D- Dallas, Texas. Uh yes, yes. So I was born in Dallas, Texas, and I was dancing since I was a very small child, partly yeah. I think because my parents were really annoyed with me because I was very cr- hyper and <laughs> annoying, probably. So they were like, put her in something that gets her moving and has mm. 
her, you know, tired by the time she comes home. So she shuts up, you know? Yeah. So I danced for a long time. I initially went into the ballet world. So pretty intensely in the bunhead world. And I went to a studio in Dallas that also had a ballet company that was pretty intense. And then I just went to my public school, public high school. And Mm -hmm. I actually kind of got into musical theater because of an injury. Sophomore year of high school, Mm -hmm. I uh, injured my right hip pretty bad and couldn't dance for a while and was like out of one of the performances and all these things. But I think because of that, I got more into singing and acting and I was like okay well if I can't dance I can at least read these plays and you know (laughs) sing in the choir and I had already done that and I think it just sort of shepherded me into that direction a little more and um yeah and then I I had always been interested in musical theater but not until I saw like Susan Stroman's version of Oklahoma where like Mm -hmm. the Lori did her dream ballet and like played the role. I was like, oh, you can like be a dancer and okay, that sounds cool. Yeah. And so I sort of went into musical theater like at the very end of high school. Like I was by no means like a musical theater girl until like my senior year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess I could do this, but like hadn't really been a musical theater person. So I didn't really know that world. I was like a in the ballet world. Senior year, I auditioned for a bunch of different schools. I signed up for a bunch of different auditions and I ended up really lucking out and CCM was one of my first auditions and I got in and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's where I want to go. No way. Yeah, CCM has like what rolling admissions. So yeah, like I found out, which is hilarious. So one of my classmates, Catherine Boswell, who's one of my dear friends, actually Uh just talked for the other day. And she was at my same audition and then was on the plane to like fly back to Dallas. We're both from Dallas. We didn't know each other (laughs) on the plane. And she remembers hearing me be like, oh my God, mom. I got him to stay sad. And she was like a couple like rose behind me. <laughs> and then she was like, recalled it to me when we were at school that she was like, what? Oh, this girl just got into CCM and I, you know, and then we were in the same <laughs> class and now we're great friends and she's gone on to have a great career. How do you yeah. feel CCM prepared you for a career in the theater industry? I... I had a a great experience. I look back and everything did prepare me in ways that maybe I didn't realize at the time. Hmm. Um, Mm. I sort of never, I was always like dance captain, dancer girl, but I never really got a role. I never really was, I wasn't like a star at the school at all. I never booked summer stock. You know, I was listening to the conversation that you had for the Built for the Stage podcast about how you didn't book summer stock. And like, mm-hmm. to some kids, it's like do or die. You book it or you don't. And if you don't, like, that's it. Is it well, worth being yes. in the theater? And like, it gets really dramatic. I can only... It's- yeah. Soy dramatic. And like, Soy. and it's funny because I was like, I auditioned for all the summer stocks. Like I was like, okay, this is how you do it. Mm. And I, but looking back, I'm like really 
glad that I didn't do the summer. And it's very hard to tell someone who's in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. You know, that if they didn't book it, it's like, honestly, it's good because I think I did other things with my summers that helped. When I moved to New York, I wasn't totally burnt out. And I had other experiences and met other kinds of people and did things that I probably wouldn't have done if I had just booked summer stock. And yeah. I would have definitely done that. Um, but nobody wanted me. I experienced that one year as well. And I had an incredible yeah. experience because I didn't book yes. summer stock. I ended up doing a casting internship and I learned yes. so much more from that than I could have ever learned from a, right? a job. But it's hard when you're in the thick of it and you're comparing yourself to the next person, yes. especially in your class. It's just, yeah, I Oof. feel that. And I mean, that to me was a challenging part about CCM was yeah. I don't feel like I really came into my own at all until I left CCM, yeah. partly because I feel like I got to school and this is natural human instinct, but to be like, this is what I do. This is my role. And nobody else can be what I am like in this class. And so I got to school and they were like, great, you're a dancer and you're a mute. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was like so intimidated by a lot of people at the school because there's so many amazingly talented people there. But I think I didn't really come into my own as an artist or as a vocalist or an actor or any of those things because I sort of always felt like, oh, no, 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 sorry, you go first. Mm. Like, oh. Uh, That's which hard, though, because when you go into school and you're 18 years old and, you know, your teachers have this idea of who you are simply based off of your audition from when you were 17, 18. And then, yeah. you know, they spend the next four years with you. And it's, I'm not surprised, you know, I hear yeah. that so often. Yeah. And I mean... And of course, they're, they're only trying to help and they're only oh, trying yeah. to work in your best interest. You know, they're trying to help you figure out what your place is. So, of course, you know, but I do think that I always try to encourage my students that go on to do it in, in college mm -hmm. to explore all those other parts of you. Like there are so many parts of you that are untapped and it's really easy to just go to school and be like, well, I know I'm good at kickball changes and this. <laughs> and like, that's all you do the whole time. It's like, you go to school to grow and to make mistakes and to learn that you're really bad at something or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And it's like, you really want to kind of force yourself into doing those things. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you shared that because, you know, CCM is a fantastic school. It doesn't stop simply because you get into a good school. It's just the not beginning. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's another mistake people make is they're like, well, I got into a top school. I'm set. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like the work has only begun. And then yeah. once you graduate, the work has only begun. And then 10 years later, the work has only begun. It's like, you have to you know, you see a, uh, people that get into these amazing top schools and then they're they just kind of coast on it. And yeah. I always am like, don't coast. Like, you know, yeah. try to push yourself and, and explore everything and keep working hard and keep trying to reinvent yourself. But, Talk to me about your yeah. transition from once you graduated CCM, your transition from that to the quote unquote real world. Did you move to New York? Did OMG. you have a show? What'd you yeah. do? So I had a bit of a... I guess a little bit of an atypical transition because mm -hmm. 
I, speaking of, I never booked anything. And then I, my last year, <laughs> when I was a senior, right before Showcase, um, I went to Chicago to audition for Oklahoma at Chicago Lyric Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really interested in it because it was like the original Agnes DeMille choreography. And I was like geeking out over it because Jemsey Delop was setting the choreo and I was like, mm. I love her. Um, and so I went to Chicago and I ended up booking that. Wow. And so then I went back to Cincinnati. We had our showcase in Cincinnati, which fun fact, I had oral surgery because I had a tooth issue, a, a thing <laughs> on the day before my Cincinnati showcase oh, and my God. mouth was numb and I was on Vicodin and I, and people were like, wow, you like did so such crazy choices in your showcase. <laughs> and I was like, I think like, I couldn't open my mouth fully. And so I'm like belting, but I'm like, ah! like, anyway, sorry, side note, I got what excited. Story. But, like truly such a story uh Uh, anyway so we had our showcase in cincinnati and then i left school early to go do chicago lyric opera Hmm. i went to new york did my showcase had a couple agent callbacks but then had to fly back to chicago like pretty shortly after to do that show it Mm -hmm. was about i think it was like a month long of shows it's like that weird opera schedule like pinkies up y'all where like you do like four shows a week or something you know and you're (laughs) like wait i'm ready to do 97 shows a week but they so it's like a strange world and schedule so that was a blessing in disguise a little bit because i was able to kind of save up some money i like sold my used toyota forerunner yeah. After I moved to, or after I went to Chicago, mm-hmm. I had like nothing. I saved up some money from doing that gig. And then I didn't move to New York until like the end of June or July. And I had, was able to have a couple agent meetings and got an agent right after my showcase. So I sort oh. of lucked out there and moved to the city. But, you know, I moved to the city and I was still non-equity. I was, I had an agent, but like, here's the thing is people are like, well, if you get an agent, everything's great. And that's not true. Like, <laughs> yes, agents, especially when you... you're new, especially when you're new to the city, when you're Absolutely. new, they don't care. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> yeah. I also hate to say it, but I think they also are like, all right, we'll see if you stick around. Like they're not going to be investing in you like they will invest in you in eight years. Right. Once you've like stayed had staying power you know Mm -hmm. so I get that but I definitely because I was under the impression that it was like if you get an agent then they send you off and you get in front of Stephen Sondheim and you sing Miller's son and that you know like I was like that's how it goes um so not true they got me like (laughs) one invited call for Wicked in like August but like Invited call meaning hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So I walked in like I'm so freaking fancy. I my first invited, I, call. The invited call. Anyway, uh, didn't real. book. Didn't book. <laughs> um, so anyway, so then I moved to New York in July. Mm-hmm. I did have another crazy story. He he, that I almost booked Broadway right away because I got an audition for Cinderella when it was still on Broadway. Uh And then last minute, I didn't get it because it was the wrong dress size. 
Love ya, honey. Love ya, honey. Um, so, but that again was like a really good lesson for me. And that as much as at at the time I was like, just because I'm like, have larger boobs than other girls. And like, (laughs) like, I was like so mad about it, but I, it really comes down to like nothing personal. Like these are custom made William Ivy long, like gowns and they cannot really you know, adjust it that much. So it truly Mm -hmm. is not personal. Of course, at the time I took it very personal (laughs) because they sort of strung me along a little bit and I thought I was going to get it and I wasn't. And then they were like, well, you didn't because of this. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of jobs. I taught like baby ballet, which is like (gasps) not ballet. It's like walking in a circle, you know, Um, which was really good. My goal, and I do recommend this to a lot of people that move to the city, is try to find side jobs that have something to do with what you came to New York to do. Okay. So you're not just in a sea of catering. Yes, Mm -hmm. you will need to sprinkle in the catering gig. I definitely did but try to also like even I started off as a work study at Paradance this studio uh downtown and then worked my way up to being like front desk manager so I was making money and getting free dance classes that's great and meeting people in the community and meeting choreographers Mm -hmm. and working on my craft while I was still making a buck didn't have to pay for class like I always try to be like, do everything you can to just get yourself in those circles and remind yourself of why you're there. Because so often people move to the city and of course they start bartending or they start, you know, because that's good money. Like, yes. But then it's easy to go, okay, well, if my shift is 9 p.m. to 4 a.m., and then I have a 10 a.m. audition, I'm either not going to make that audition or I'm not going to be in my best, you know, self. So then it just kind of like snowballs. And then, you know, and a lot of people then find that their calling is actually in like the restaurant business or something else, which is incredible. But, you know, if you do want to like really try for that first year, it's like try to get a couple side gigs where you're right doing what you came to do um anyway let's see so I did that for a while yeah I just was like auditioning and really I maybe would get the call back here and there it took me a while to be firm in like who I was I think I still was insecure from my time at CCM and you know I know that you grew up in such a dance heavy background but you got such excellent training in musical theater as a whole. So were you, I'm curious, were you going to more dance calls or were you just simply going to everything that you could? I was going to more dance calls because mm-hmm. I always felt, and I still stand by this, like that was kind of my way in. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can wiggle myself in this way yeah. and then sing. And then, and I, I, you know, there's also a a balance between it's like, yes, you want to say yes to a lot when you first get to the city, you want to like cast out your net and see what feels good. You know, what kind of leaders you're attracted to as far as working with creatively, like all of those things are important. But you don't just want to go to like, I think, 
more than eight auditions a week is insane. It really like, is. I, I mean, I feel like do two auditions a week and have them be the best auditions and you give your all and you have the best representation of yourself yeah. rather than like rushing from one thing to the next. You don't, you know, I, I just, to me, don't see the uh, long-term value in that. And then it's like, are, do you really feel like you are actually right for all the shows you're going in for? Mm -hmm. Did you really put thought into it? Do you really feel like your voice is needed in that production that you're going in for? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is not, yes, you should not be going, yeah. you know? Um, anyway, all that, I mean, all that said, I was going to a bunch of different auditions and then I had went to, I think it was an open call for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, the yeah. national tour. And it was Andy Blankenbuehler was doing like a new version. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I had followed Andy's work for many years. I was a big fan. I was a, what do we call a fan girl? And, <laughs> you were the uh, OG fan club for Andy. <laughs> I truly am. I mean, this was 2013, you know, uh -huh. like way back. This was before Hamilton. Um, I don't know why I had to say it like that. Hamilton? Hamilton. Like what? Hamilton. <laughs> um, anyway, and that was kind of the first audition that stuck. I feel like one, it helped a lot because he goes to all those open calls and he really, I have to give it to him. He really looks at everyone. You yeah. Know, he really tries to like invest in those auditions and he's not uppity about it. So he really invests in everyone. And that is something mm -hmm. that I, a reason why I think Andy is so good because yeah. he really works hard to put together like a stellar cast from people that are very talented and also people that are like good uh, people. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like, anyway, I had gone to a million callbacks of that. He ended up reaching out to uh, one of my professors at CCM to like uh -huh. vet me before casting me in the show, which is a reminder, make sure you're nice to people because you never know. Like, wow, that's so you know. real. Yeah. Yeah. It was like he knew one of my professors at Cincinnati, Diane wow. Lala, and wrote her an email being like, I really liked this girl in the audition. How is she to work with? Is she nice? Basically, it was like, what is she like personally? Right. <gasps> anyway, wow. so thank God, you know, me and Diane Lala, we get along. So she was like, she's great, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, and then that was my first job, which I got my equity card from that. And that, mm -hmm. you know, I went on the road with that and everything. So that was like a Reader's Digest, like my journey. I would say then... Uh, that was like insanely quick, even though in the moment it felt forever. It felt like right. I'm never going to work. I've gone to all these auditions, blah, blah, blah. But looking back, I mean, I moved to the city in the end of June and I booked Joseph in November. Hmm. That's not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. It felt like a lot of time, <laughs> but it's really not. And, and so many people, you know, and depending on what type you are, it's like you're going to you know, I know people who it took them six years to yeah. book their first like big thing, but everything that they learned in that six years was so important to who they became as an artist. You're like, yes, you needed to have that six years. Right. And, you know, to trust that is really hard in the moment, but you know. Mm. 
So that was in in 2013, and yes. then you ended up making your Broadway debut Holy. in 2016. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. With Cats. So yes. talk me through that journey from Joseph to Cats, and uh, yeah, you know, the audition process for that. I'm fascinated. Omg. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so I did Joseph uh-huh. for, and I'm really glad that I did because I was in for like a one or two other Broadway shows that I think I got to the final and didn't get it and whatnot. And I was like, Broadway over tour. (laughs) But like, thank God I did the tour though, because one, I grew so much as an artist. I learned how to do eight shows a week. I -hmm. met some incredible, like um, Paul Castry, who's like a Broadway veteran and he's older. And like, I learned so much from him, like Mm -hmm. almost like a mentor in a lot of ways. Um, And I created this really great relationship with Andy, Andy which yeah. was very important for you know more to come mm-hmm. so I mean again I think relationships over jobs every time like I would encourage someone to take a job at a small theater with someone that they respect and work well with and admire over some big fancy job because the job isn't going to last like You'll be a replacement. You're in and out. You're not even talking with the creative team. You're not even making like those relationships. I mean, sometimes you do, but anyway, I digress. Um, So I did the tour, let's see, for about a year, a little over a year. And then on one of the layoffs, I had auditioned for um, Guys and Dolls at Goodspeed (laughs) Opera House. Uh Um, And so I ended up leaving the tour to go do Guys and Dolls. Mm -hmm. partly because we knew tour was closing and I was kind of looking for the next job. And so it just sort of worked out that way. So then I did good speed, which is a long contract. Like you go there and it's snowing and you leave there and it's like blazing hot. Like you see all of the seasons (laughs) in your good speed time. Uh Um, So I did that, which was my first like kind of regional job experience, which was really good and Mm -hmm. enriching in a lot of ways. And then I, on like a day off at Goodspeed, because speaking of that Susan Stroman version of Oklahoma, they were doing it at the Muni, which, okay, let's go back. I auditioned for the Muni so many times when I was in college, never booked. And I was like- Especially when you're at CCM, everyone goes to the Muni auditions. Come on. We all go in like a big van. And it's so awkward when you're like, everyone else got callbacks and here I am like driving the van. But like, you know, honestly, it's good. I just like (laughs) want to tell that for people to have perspective because geez, you know, geez Louise. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I had come back to the city on my day off while doing that show at Goodspeed to, I had sent in, I think, a tape for Uh Muni. And I was like, possibly a little bit obnoxious, but I was like, told my agents, I was like, I know. I was like, I can do this. Like, this is something that I feel very passionate, passionately about. And like, I, I, I just really think I'm right for this. And I really think I could bring the heart to this that it deserves. Like I like campaign. Yes. <laughs> At this time, were you, were you like fully like going full force and submitting yourself for Lori or were you just simply submitting for the production? I was like, so. Lori, I want it. Yes. And my agents were like, well, what about if you, you know, did like the ensemble? And I was like, no, no, no. No. I want to be a lawyer, which is so much for me to say because I had never had a principal role ever. <laughs> I had never, like, how dare I? Like, the audacity of young Christine to be that 
oh my god uh-huh. but I don't know I think it did help because I um, hopefully they could tell it was honest like I wasn't just like I you know and I was like I've never campaigned for a role also I was like terrified of roles in general yeah because I had so many complexes about singing and acting and speaking because I was like I'm a mute person yeah so I anyway campaigned for this role and they finally called me in on my day off and I drove into the city from Connecticut and like I remember I was moving. There was like a ton of moving parts in my personal life and it was like yeah. very stressful. And I ended up going to the wrong Ripley Greer and I was like oh running down the street, like showed up. I was like on, like on the button on time. And, but I was so like overcome with like, I must play this role, you yeah. know? Like, geez, I mean, I'm sure they were like, honestly, lady, like, can you calm down? So I got there and we did like the ballet combination and a couple other things and then I sang afterward and then found out like the next day that I had gotten it wow which was fast yeah nuts you know and I was you know very excited about that so Mm. anyway long story short I left the muni and then like two weeks I mean I left Goodspeed two weeks later I did the muni Mm -hmm. uh which was an amazing experience and then you come, I came back to the city and I remember being like, I'm back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you leave, you kind of have to like re and not reinvent yourself, but like start back at the bottom. Like I was like, yeah, I've just been on like years of working and I, and like no one cares. Which is crazy. Cause like, yeah, it's like, yes, here you are. You have this, these incredible credits now three where you had the tour you had good speed you had the muni but at the same yeah. time you had been away for so long yeah. yeah so it's definitely humbling because you know <laughs> you get back and you're like I feel great and I was like I never thought I was gonna make it I was ready to be a Zumba instructor when I moved to New York and now I'm doing it and then like crickets nobody cares they're like Lori what I don't care like no yeah. one really cared which was good for me I think because you're just like okay okay you just gotta keep plugging away Mm -hmm. so then I was back in the city and didn't work for a couple months and I kind of went back to a lot of those um jobs like jobs that I had and you know I uh just random gigs here and there um, and then I booked uh, a chorus line at Riverside Theater, mm-hmm. another like regional gig, and I went off to do that. And while I was at Riverside, I get an email from Andy for two things. It was like, one, I'm doing like a reading of this new show called Bandstand. Like, do you want to come fill in for like this girl? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, yes, you know, uh-huh. like twitching. And then uh, and then he was like, by the way, I'm doing, don't tell anyone, but like they're reviving cats and like, I don't know, but I feel like you should be in the show. And like, anyway, are you going to be in town for auditions? Like, I just want to make sure like we get you in there. And I was like, you know, nerd, wow. nerd.com. Like I grew cat ears and I was like, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so I uh, finished up at, at, Riverside Riverside, and Mm -hmm. then came in I did like the reading of bandstand and then thus began like the cats audition journey wow because it was not I had never had 
an audition process like this. Like it just, what was it like? It was just a lot, you know, it was one of those things where it was invited call, yeah, invited dance call. And I felt super fancy, but again, hundreds of people like not fancy. I was like, okay, great. You know, I'm sure Andy emailed all of these people, you know, I was like, dang it. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, it just was a little more drawn out than I think partly because there was such a legacy with that show and like we were merging the original with like this new Andy's version and so it you know it's there's a lot of voices or a lot of people that have to approve of all the characters so I think that was why it was kind of drawn out but yeah I went and I danced and then I sang uh pretty quickly they were like oh we want to see you for this role Bomb Belly Arena and I was like okay okay yeah um I was like, I'm in, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) And um, so then I kept singing for that. I went to what I thought was my final audition. Like everything had gone well. We had multiple, I mean, we learned like five, four, three or four combinations. I had sang McCavity a bunch. I sang Mm -hmm. my own songs. I sang like soprano one line of like the end, you know, like, like all the things I was like, you they put you know through it. the ringer. <laughs> I mean, so then I thought it was my final audition. It was like for the whole shebang. It was like mm. Jillian Lynn, May She Rest in Peace, oh, wow. um, Trevor Nunn, Andrew wow. Lloyd Webber, all of the the producers, like a table. I mean, I was like, um, all right, here we go. Like surreal. <laughs> like I felt very intimidated for sure. Wow. Um, and I sang McCavity like the whole thing like for Andrew Lloyd Webber like oh my god um stressful and I think that was all I had to do that day I didn't have to dance that day and I left and I was like okay I feel like that was it I feel like I I probably did very well maybe I'll Mm -hmm. be an understudy I don't know then I get a call a week later that was like, hi, can you come back in? Um, we just like wanted to check about some vocal things. And I was like, oh, God, you know? And so I go back in, uh-huh. it's another audition. And there were all these new girls that had not been to any of the auditions oh, that we had all no. been through. Uh-huh. All these new girls. And they all were like, hello, I'm so-and-so from London. And I flew in for Bombay Arena and what? I'm here. And I was like, what? Like I was, so heartbroken because I had gotten so attached to this stuff and yeah. I thought I had already had my final it was like my sixth audition like I was like that was yeah. the final callback for sure so I in hindsight I think this helped me because I was so angry because I was like all oh, you people here like I have been giving my life for this and you just show up from London how dare you <laughs> like I was like so mad And so I went in and I think that's when I booked it because I was angry and had like a new fire and fervor of, yes, because I was like, I was so mad. Um, And then I went in and had to sing it like yet again. And then that was my last callback. I ended up getting a phone call from Andy when I was like on a layover to fly home to Dallas. Mm. And I saw like, I landed and I saw like voicemail, Andy Boyd Bueller. And I was like, 
oh, he's going to ask me to come in again. Or he's calling me to tell me that I didn't get it. And he feels Yeah, to like let you off easy. (laughs) Yeah. And at this point, I also sort of took getting the role like off the table because I just, I was like, I feel like I'll probably be a a swing or something. Like, it's fine. I was like grateful to even be in the thing. Mm. Anyway, so then I get a call from him and he was like, we want to offer you the role. And of course, I was like silent at first. I was like, Okay. Wow. And I'm sure he thought, how ungrateful. She's not even, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And then that was Cats. But I also like to re- remind people, I also was auditioning for other things at the time that I did yeah. not book. So like mm-hmm. that also, auditioning for like other regional jobs that I didn't get, you know? So right. just always want to mix that in. You have yeah. to. It's like, yes, I was the most attached to my Cats auditions, but you know, that prob- might not pan out. So you have mm. to have other things. If I didn't have a relationship with Andy and I hadn't like kind of built, because at that point we had known each other for three years, mm. you know, I'd, we had done the tour and we re-rehearsed the tour when we went on the second leg and I did the bandstand thing with him. We, you know, like yeah. we had sort of built a somewhat of a foundation of trust to where in the room, I really think that he was like the one saying, no, I think she could do it. Cause a lot of what I felt was happening was it was like, and what I had experienced before was like, okay, if we're deciding between someone who is really green and never been on Broadway and someone who has five Broadway credits, they're going to go with the five Broadway credits. So it really, to get that initial, like, you know, debut is kind of, it's tough because you're having to like, break into that um you know circle so yeah wow we mentioned earlier that you're teaching a lot now I mean how are you coping over quarantine are you back in you're back in Dallas now yes yeah so it's been it's actually been interesting because I always had a passion for teaching like I taught like you know group aerobics and in college and like Mm -hmm. always subbed for my teachers and and did a lot of it um in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I feel grateful that it just, I've been able to just kind of lean into it more besides having to like start a whole new thing. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started the quarantine in New York for about like nine to 10 weeks. So I was like teaching okay. out of my studio apartment and you know, which was a challenge because Naomi below me was not a fan. She was oh, not a fan Naomi. of my dance classes. And I was like, Naomi. <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> it finally kind of got to a point where I was like, one, I miss my family and yeah. this is gonna be a while, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure we all experienced like all of our upcoming stuff getting canceled, you know, mm-hmm. it just was like this crazy sort of like abyss of what is happening. So then I finally decided to come back to Dallas. My parents have an an apartment in Dallas and then my dad is a cattle rancher. So they have a um, house like out in the country. So they've been quarantining out in the middle of nowhere, Lone Oak, Texas for pretty much this whole time. So it sort of worked out that we were able to come back and quarantine in my parents' empty apartment to like make sure we were all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also, as you can see, I'm in this studio. Yeah. You have this Um, lovely studio. I know. So speaking of relationships, uh, (laughs) this woman that I met when I was in fifth grade, 
Um, <laughs> she is a studio owner here in Dallas and we had just always kept in touch. And I mean, I would consider her like a friend, you know, even though she's 30 years my senior or whatever, yeah. whatnot. But um, she, uh, we, I, whenever I would come back to Dallas, I'd teach master classes and, you know, we just always kept in touch. And so when I came to Dallas, she, I think she was the one that reached out or maybe I did. And I was like, Hey, I'm in Dallas. She was like, do you want, we'll make a copy of the keys. You can use the studio whenever you need. And like, wow. we want to be here for you to like help you in this time. Yeah. And I was like, tears, tears, sob, sob, sob. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so it's been a real game changer because I've been able to have the space to teach and to, I've been, um, working with a bunch of college kids that are trying to get into college right now. Mm -hmm. And so I've been helping them choreograph their dance pre-screens and right. it's been one of the huge silver linings that, you know, it has given me like purpose. Um, yeah, it's very fulfilling. In this time and yeah, and, and still like keep up. Yeah, I admittedly, it's like, I wish that I was super self-disciplined and would do like a ballet bar every morning on my own. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know that I would, but because I've like set up these classes and I yeah. have to teach them a bar every morning, I'm like, okay. So then it sort of helped me also mm -hmm. <laughs> keep up with my training. Um, yeah. So that's been life as of late. My final question for you is what, if you could give one piece of advice, I know, if you could give one piece of advice to someone, a young artist who's pursuing a career in theater, what would you say? Continue to remain open and malleable in that space, in that time. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you, you want to be open to whatever comes toward you and, and be receiving enough to be able to lean into whatever opportunities come your way. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.